Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Now boys, this is our second attempt of doing this and I've ruined it twice now because I should have said something completely different, but it's just muscle memory. We were told by an esteemed listener of the podcast that we should be doing it differently. So who is this esteemed listener and what did they say? They said, well, I'm not, are we not say who the esteemed listener is, Tim? Um, well, I mean, it might offend their colleagues from another grassroots podcast yeah, to that, know that they, they, are, they are so engaged in our podcast that they, that they make these kind of suggestions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. But for me, it's muscle memory. And I'm sorry because, what, in two and a half minutes, just like England, I let everybody down then. <laughs> Wee. The suggestion was that, uh, Phil, let's, let's let's workshop this. The suggestion was from this esteemed journalist um, from a, a very esteemed publication who have a grassroots podcast of their own, but which this this esteemed journalist is, is a big fan, long-term fan and friend of ours, Um the suggestion was that we should start the podcast with Let the Boys Play and end the podcast with Let the Boys End as we as JB accidentally <laughs> said on the oh, last yeah. episode. Is that what that Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Very good. I enjoy that. I do like Let, Let the, the Boys, boys end. Yeah, Let the Boys End is good. <laughs> but I quite like our intro. Um, it's been going for 11 years now? Or 11th ten, year. Yeah, 11th year. If it's not broken. It's the 11th year. Well, do you think we sound like... Oh, the- and you've, you've started with the little... England jibe already. It hurts. It hurts too much. Uh, well, I guess we should, um, first of all, tell everyone where they can contact us, which is on Gmail, because that has blown up. What did we get? Like 30-odd emails last night or something ridiculous. So that's contact eggchasers at gmail.com. I have read every one of them, and they, they kind of are, well, most of them are of, of the same vein, just absolutely gutted. Um, yeah, so that is the best way to find us. Don't bother with Twitter. Don't bother with Facebook. Do do that. And also download us on... That's all. why you drank all the emails. You were just drinking up the salty tears oh, of I England fans. Filled up several cups. <laughs> <laughs> You're loving this, aren't you, GB? No, I, I am genuinely a little bit torn. Because I want England to go out. Because I don't want the RFU to say they've done a great job. Because they haven't. But on the other hand, I know how painful it is for all my friends that love England... And all the players that I respect so much, and they work so hard for this. So it's not, it's not like the classic Welshman going, "Yeah, good, good they've gone," or <laughs> anything like that. Far, far from it. 
I just don't want English rugby to die. And I think this gives cover for the RFU to kill it. Mm. Under- yeah, I kind of understand your conflicted um, viewpoint. You're not, you are the least Welsh Welshman at the moment. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm North Walian, I'm not Welsh. But I remember a time where you genuinely always wanted Wales to win. A long, long time ago. Now, you want France to win. I'm you much, want South Africa to win. Uh, yeah. You want New Zealand to lose. You want yes. England to lose. All I all can, of but, those outcomes are um, a greater priority in your mind than uh, Wales, winning. Wales winning. Yeah, yes. Wales, Wales mean nothing to me as a rugby <laughs> entity. Like they, I'm from North Wales, right? So what do they have to say to me? I mean, they've said nothing to me my entire life except for a little bit of RGC action. I'm not really doing much with that at the moment either, are they? So, I mean, best of luck to them. Uh, but you know, the South Wales team... <laughs> The team that represents South Wales did very, very well in the World Cup and they should be proud of themselves, but I don't care what they do. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just chip in and say you can also find JB Packing Heat on Instagram. You can uh, you can find me in France. Although I'm currently in the home of the TMO shipping container. I'm in Greece currently. Oh, I've, I've gone... I didn't stay in a hotel last night. I went straight from the Stade de France on the... I missed the last metro. I was devastated. So I had to get a night bus from the north of Paris to, to the south to Orly. Rather, I wasn't going to spend like 70 euros on a taxi. And especially as I had, to, uh, I was doing nothing but twiddling my thumbs until a 7.30 flight to Kalamata. So I'm now in Greece. Oh, Go you. back to Paris later this week. I know. Wow. But um, honestly, lads, the number of people, you get a glimpse of it from like eight-minute YouTube videos. Even in one eight-minute YouTube video last night, I must have been stopped about seven times, like one a minute. And it was like that all night with with people going love the pod love the pod love the pod like everywhere i went awesome amazing absolutely it was awesome. it was it was bonkers so lots of people said hello to you lads oh, oh excellent fantastic and that's we had um perhaps not quite as uh frequent as that but we had experiences a little bit like that in japan yeah four, it was amazing four years ago absolutely particularly amazing. the england games that we went to see yeah well let's talk about the england game it, it, yeah, yeah. Because can we just establish? We don't really need to talk about New Zealand, Argentina. I if if Argentina can't be bothered to turn up, why should we be bothered to talk about the game? Uh, involved well, in? we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah let's, I... maybe Tim, because I know you're um, you're obviously two hours ahead, um, and you're on uh, on Greek time. But maybe JB and I will touch on it a little bit. I don't think we'll go All anywhere right, yeah. near okay, the depth. Fair. But um, it it is the the second priority of tonight. The first priority being. Let's talk about that England-South Africa game, the whole thing. Well, I'll let, you know, I'll let you kick it off, Phil, because I, I watched this and I was kind of an interested observer, but I didn't watch it with the passion and the intent that you would have. So you, you, you go for it. So I, I watched this on my own, um, and I was... Um, it's funny. It, like we always say, that it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. Because if you, you asked me a week ago, or indeed you listened to the pod from a week ago... And I was saying, uh, 30, South Africa by 30, play this game 100 times, South Africa comfortably win 90 of them, and then uh, 10 become interesting, of which only really five, England can do anything. <laughs> but throughout the week, I got more and more confident, I don't know, maybe not confident, but I was considering more and more the different angles that could take England to close to winning it. And I would say... I certainly wasn't confident going into it, but I thought we had a chance. Yeah. And then I thought maybe maybe 75-25 or 70-30, that kind of thing, going into it. And then the conditions and the way that England started playing, um, 
the physicality in the front in defence, the execution of the box kicking and the um, crossfield kicking, the solidity of the back three and indeed the half-backs under the high balls. And it's the hope that kills you because all of those things, for the first 50 minutes, I think, 55 minutes, led to England being on top of the game and led to that nine-point lead. It, yeah. And then it started to fall apart. Hey, Matt, what, Tim, do you want to jump in with, uh, uh, with anything there? I think Phil's just summarised the game. I would only build on top of it and say, I remember I remember saying to the, the chap next to me, who was an Irish journalist, I remember he was just full of praise, like, wow. He just kept saying, wow, wow, wow. And uh, I just turned to him and said, that is the perfect... It was at 17 minutes, and I think we were 6-0 up at that point. I'm not sure. But I just said, yeah. this is perfect... And and I mean that sincerely. We'd repped their line out. We were attacking their breakdown. We were smashing them in the tackle, in the collisions. We were box kicking beautifully, kicking to compete. Everything was, it was like the perfect England opening 20 minutes. And whilst there were, you know, moments that weren't quite as perfect, it was pretty much bang on the money for, like Phil said, and I'll let you continue this, Phil, 50, like 50, 55 minutes. Like, to the point that Ebenezer got the shepherd's crook. Oh, well, we need to talk about those substitutions in a minute. But, mm. yeah, I mean, we talk, you spoke about how would England go about trying to beat South Africa. Now, one of the ideas which we had was get rid of the hooker to attack the line-out. Well, they seem to have jumped that bit and just attacked the line-out. Mm. And that, that worked very, very well. I mean, really well. And I think Benam, I, at the moment, I think Benambi might be player of the tournament. I think he has been, frankly, magical. But he really struggled. Yeah, he. I think you're right on both counts. Um, he's been superb because he's had so much pressure on his shoulders. But um, Marrow and Big Courts and George Martin made life difficult, didn't they? Just for them in the lineup. I mean, it, you know, you've got to remember. I say Benambi as if it's his fault. It's not. There are loads of things yeah. that go wrong. You know, <laughs> they're reading jumpers. You don't know how they knew where to go. Yeah, you know, and the, the likelihood is they're tracking jumpers and lifters rather than anything to do with you know, overthrows or underthrows. But even even when England didn't directly compete and mess up the ball, the mall defence was immense as well. They took that away from them, even when they even when South Africa won the ball. It do, yeah, and it does they, strike me. Uh, the, yeah, the word that got used a lot about South Africa is they were rattled, and they absolutely were. I, I've never, I haven't seen for a long, long time, maybe ever in this guise under Razi Erasmus and latterly Jack Nina, but I've never seen this South Africa team look scared, but they looked legitimately scared by what they were facing. Yeah, And you know that feeling, don't you? You know that feeling from playing the game yourself. When you're a good team and you just things aren't going your way, and then for the first time in you know weeks and weeks, actually it is weeks, maybe months in South Africa's case, you just think this isn't going our way. Like what can we do to? And you just keep on making errors, and those errors compound. You know, it's no different in amateur rugby to professional rugby. That feeling of oh my god, this is slipping away from us, and we feel a bit powerless. But in South Africa's um, defence, they never gave up, and I think mm. they always knew because it's, they've done it so many times. They always knew there would be a period in the game, particularly when they uh, unleashed their bench and yeah. Snayman and Oxniche. Um, Ox was. Ace. In particular, 
they knew that they were going to have a period of dominance at the scrum, um, which leads to penalties. And so I think they always, I think they always believed. And it's funny because I was, I didn't have any money on the game, but I was um, looking at the odds because I was fascinated before the game to see that you could get sixes on England, yeah, which is what I got, which is her. which I thought were um, longer than they should be. But at no point, even with on some no point that I checked, even with less than 15 minutes to go when England were nine points up, at no point from what I saw were England ever favourites in the game. Is according, that right? According to the bookies, yes. Wow. Which shows something about the history of this South African team. Now, that, that's that's English bookies as well. Goodness um, me. We, so, um, yeah. I, you never, as an England fan... I, I never felt safe, comfortable, like you always knew it was coming. Yeah. So and in that, if we just talk a bit more before we get into that last um, 30 minutes or 20 minutes, and we will, and we will talk about Ox, um, who was probably the player of the match, um, even though we played 25, 30 minutes. But um, some of the performances, I think if you, if you were counting the best performers for, say, that first 50 minutes... I think you'd struggle to name a South African in them. Yeah, you would. I think. I yeah, think you would. Freddie Stewart was amazing. Uh, I thought Elliot Daly was. Well, super. to put it that way, is was there like in terms of who got the better of their opposite man? That's an e- that's an easy one to answer. There was not a single South African that was better than their opposite man. The maybe maybe uh, Bongi and Benambi over Jamie yeah. George for that first, but for the first fifty minutes, yeah. maybe. Fair. Other than that. Um, even like uh, Malherb and uh, Kitsy. Kitsoff. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure they did. I'm not sure any of the back row did. The halfbacks did not. Um, England's centres were quiet, but so were South Africa's. Mm. The back three didn't. Uh, the second rows didn't. I, th- I thought maybe the best forward on the park for the first 50 minutes was um, George Martin. I was about to say George Martin, yeah. He was phenomenal. He- Some of the hits he put in just time and time again. Yeah, I yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, here's the angle I would take as well, which is the Borthwick reign so far, for a coach of his quality and what he's already done, has been hmm, atrocious. Atrocious. <laughs> well, pre, Pre-World pre Cup, atrocious. The the games that have mattered in the World Cup... Um, One's gone well. He's done enough. The others... I'm not sure there's enough... Quality he'd, won, he'd, won for, he'd won five games, and re- really, that's his job, isn't it? Yeah, Let's be yeah, honest. yeah. But you know, would you look at those five games and go, "Hmm, okay," I, with, that, with the exception of Argentina? Would you go, "Oh, yeah, there's enough there," which I'm pretty sure they'll give South Africa. I mean, you just wouldn't know. Would you? Oh no, no. There's so no, no way to tell. Yeah, but if you if you're judging how they're going to perform against South Africa against those five games, you'll judge badly, like as we did last week. But that's not the. That's not the yeah. purpose of those games. The purpose of those games is win yeah. to get to the point of South Africa. So you can only say he he fulfilled his role. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something now, right? Which sounds a bit naff. But I would say the Borthwick rain start, started last night, uh, and I I don't necessarily disagree. Like I think that is it's the kind of performance that like he was asked this kind of question in post match, and he he kind of shied away from making any statements. So we'll make them for him, but. Uh, that is exactly the kind of performance to to um, lay the foundations 
for the next four years. Yeah. It has, it has to be. If you're an England fan now, because you think about what was Leicester. Leicester was a team who could attack line-outs and attack from line-outs. Well, the England line-out has not been good for a long for a long time, which is weird for a man and coach of his quality. And in fairness to us, we have always said, you know, he is a good coach, just wait. Uh, just wait. And the, but the line-out was baffling to me hmm. because we know he is so good at the, uh, the line-out and then the more. Well, finally we saw that. Finally. And then the kicking to compete. There was a lot of... Um, I mean, I've been in the camp saying it was not working, but last night it did work. It did work. It, it did work. And, and do you know what? And to, to think about what was Leicester Tigers' finest moment under Steve Borthwick, it was winning the, the Premiership final against Saracens, mm. where they, where they, who did, who did they start a nine in that game? Richard Wigglesworth, Wigglesworth because, because Steve Borthwick hatched a very specific plan to tactically match and overcome an incredible Saracens team. And, that's why he specifically brought Richard Wigglesworth in. And and, and I, fortunately, it's one of those occasions I've said a lot of stuff which would be total rubbish, but th- there's a YouTube video which, as soon as England's team named, I was more bullish and more confident of England than I, I, I laid out because it was absolutely obvious. And how so? I mean, I, I'm surprised South Africa didn't know. Well, maybe they did know what was coming, but it seemed like they didn't know what was coming. But as I think anyone who just gave it two seconds thought, looked at the team, saw George Martin, went right. That's that. That's a defensive selection, as in yep. the biggest, best defender. They're they're, they're not going to want the ball. They're, they're going to give South Africa the ball all day long. Freddie Stewart was another part of that selection, and Joe Marler was to try and equalise the scrum. Um, he he's he is brilliant, Steve Borthwick, at tactically analysing teams and picking specific plans for it. And I think you're absolutely right. This is a this is a little line in the sand that that he can now build from. Yeah. So encouraging, but. Ultimately, not enough. Now, and England didn't, didn't and never looked like scoring a try. Yeah, yeah, and that is a worry, isn't it? That's the most frustrating. Now, part of that was down to the fact that several times late on in the game, uh, they got um, scrums, or at least at least two in South Africa's twenty-two, and immediately conceded a penalty. Um, some of it though was down to fluffing lineouts um, earlier Jamie in the George, game. Jamie he, George, he, he'll be haunted. That so there was there was the. The, that, one, the, the game was in that one line out, I reckon, on South Africa's five meter line. I reckon Jamie George doesn't screw that throw up. England win. Oh, but there was there was a few. There was a not straight. There was the one where he completely fluffed it. Yeah. Um, I mean the, the line out. Oh yeah, over, that one too. It could yeah. have been any one of those. It, it doesn't do it. They, they win the game equally. You could say Freddie Stewart kicks long, not short. I know. And England win the game. I mean, that... but it never comes down to one single point of failure, as we well, always say. What about this point of failure? You know what I'm going to say. Go on. Farrell's descent. Now that, so I was fuming at Farrell during the game. I've rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I am, I fully understand why Farrell did it. Because, so first one. Yeah. So what, if you remember, I had a bit of a rant a few weeks ago about the, uh, the bunker. Yep. Um, because it's, one of the things I was trying to get across was, when you bring in, like, or you're supposed to bring in a higher level of certainty, you're held to a higher standard. And therefore, if you get something wrong, it's more obvious. Yeah. Like you're, you're more frustrated when something goes wrong. And there's, there's two things I'll mention in this game, one later, but one now, where Ben O'Keefe made a statement about uh, his reality, yeah. the reality that he had seen okay. that did not match up with reality. Okay. 
Yeah. So this this occurred, and it occurred twice uh, in short succession that led to the Farrell descent. The first one was the penalty against Manu, where he said Manu rushed rushed in, wasn't part of it, rushed in, pushed the opposition, and he said no pushing after the whistle's gone. That was just wrong. Manu was stood next to Reinach, uh, because uh, from that mall. Oh yeah, okay. From that mall, Damien Deal. So this is a mall. 20, 25 minutes, maybe 20 minutes into the first half. Um, uh, line out on the right-hand side for South Africa in England's 22. They catch and drive. Uh, Creel and Dialandi were all in that mall. They were lined up. It was like a 12-man mm-hmm. line out. So Manu was also in that mall. So where, when it collapsed and stopped, Manu was just stood next to Reinach. He put his arm around him and kind of cheered. The whistle has gone. Reinert pushes um, Manu. Manu. So Ben O'Keefe says, no pushing after the whistle. And Farrell's just trying to get across to him. But it, wasn't, it wasn't Manu who pushed after the whistle. It was Reinert. But what's the real answer, Phil? Well, the referee is always right. Correct. And what should Farrell have said? Well, yes, sir. And he did say yes. No, no, hold, he hold did on, so hold on. I'll just, I'll just stop that. Right, if that had been any other England player, <laughs> I would totally agree with you, JB. He's the captain. Well, yeah. Well, well, well he should know better. So he did then bite his tongue and say, yes, sir. Okay. The same thing happens a few minutes later. It was the penalty against uh, Alex Mitchell for sealing off. Uh-huh. Uh, Reinach again, so the whistle's gone. Reinach again pushes after the whistle. So Ben O'Keefe says, "Correct, no pushing after the whistle. It's a penalty against you. And twice, he, his, twice Ben O'Keefe's reality didn't match up with actual reality. So, okay. So that's where Farrell is trying to talk to the referee, uh-huh. not having a go, just trying to talk to him as a captain, and the penalty goes for dissent. So I, I think yeah. both of those... And now, and you're right. I think, okay, I, I, I'll just jump in, Phil. I think O'Keefe lost his head on that and was totally wrong. And I actually think one of the things that has been rightly levelled against Owen Farrell, in fact, we've levelled it on this very podcast um, many times, is the manner of Farrell's communication with the referees doesn't yeah. endear him to the referee and isn't the best thing for the teams. It's not, Actually, it? and I've, I've watched the game again, his communication with the referee, I think, honestly, that is the, that, that is the finest leadership last night oh I've ever seen from Owen Farrell. And his <laughs> communication <laughs> with the referee was absolutely outstanding. Right, honestly, you. watch it. I think Steve <laughs> Borthwick said this after the game and he was absolutely on the money. He led the team oh. amazingly well. Right but on. but with with so, with uh, hinds- <laughs> but with on this incident with hindsight you can say because it ended because it ended up wrong. So look, but I, I think the wrongness yeah, 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 was yeah, on. Yeah, ben yeah. O'Keefe, but Ben O'Keefe was wrong, and by that, and, and Owen yeah, Farrell's got to swallow that. And people yeah. that already hate Owen Farrell will use that as a stick to beat Owen Farrell with. No, 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 no. This isn't about yeah. people who already hate Owen Farrell, right? We're not having. Yeah, mate, no, 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 no the people that hate Owen Farrell, the Owen Farrell haters in one camp, and then, of course, the Owen Farrell sycophants in the other camp. And, of course, the two will never meet. Well, no, it's it's the people who hate Owen Farrell and then the people who are right. Of course, yes, of course, it is. It is the, Correct. It is the Israelis and the people that are right, and not, and not or the Palestinians and the people Farrell, that are right, depending on which side you're you on, right? Go on, so, go on, JB. Ben O'Keefe will not be the first referee to lose his head in a big game. And it happens frequently. Maybe not as frequently as it used to do. But if you want excellent leadership of how you deal with a referee who's losing his head, look no further to another England player who trotted on 
about half time in a World Cup final and said to the ref, look, sir, I know you're struggling with the scrum, which he was. Just tell me what to do. I'll go backwards. Uh, I'll go backwards. I'll go forwards. Or words to that effect. Jason Leonard. If the referee is losing his head, help him. Right? That is the art of communication. It isn't say he led wonderfully and then got done for dissent, which then led to a penalty, which then led to a, a you know your one point loss. That, that just isn't a thing. And it's no, not it, it didn't lead to the one point loss. That's that's like because if you want okay, to go down that one point route, we, we could dissect. If you want to go down that route, you could dissect the fact that Dion Faree did a double movement. He was clearly tackled, got back up, and ran towards the line in, in the immediate phase before RG yeah. Snaiman goes over the line. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to do. Thing, I'm right? not going to do that because it's because there there are a, a thousand different okay. individual but moments in that is, game, and if you want to pick on one and say that was the reason for a defeat, yeah, here is the thing though, right? Bullshit. Owen Farrell can do nothing about Dion Faree. Owen Farrell can do everything about Owen Farrell. That is the difference. Yes, yeah, and he was incredible. Right. England wouldn't. England. England wouldn't have lost that game by one point had Owen Farrell been on the fi- not been on the field. He they they would have lost it by more. Right. Okay. Well, I guess that totally debunks the idea that it's all about Owen Farrell haters and Owen Farrell lovers. Uh, I don't think it was a good way to go. He did play well, though. I mean, there's no denying he played. In fact, he played outstandingly well. And if Owen Farrell was on South Africa's team, South Africa would have won by a lot more. But the fact of the matter is, when it got to the big occasion, like, I know it's a cliche, but international rugby is a game of just the most fine margins. When you're this close to each other, you need to be perfect. And he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. And he's the captain. And it was a thing that he can... If you drop the ball... Okay, fine. Skill error. But for a personality error to do you, a leadership error to do you when, you, when you're the captain, I don't know what to tell you. He can't affect the three. What I don't understand is how, how it resulted in a penalty from that because he's, he's the captain of the team. Well, like, I don't understand. If, yeah. if, if, he, can't, if, if he, he can't speak to the referee, because he didn't shout at the ref, he spoke to the referee and got penalised for it. He's the captain of the team. He needs to work it out. Yeah, it's with with hindsight, you can say he should have done something differently. I think it's I think it's tough to actually say what he should have done differently because he, exactly as you say to him, the captain should be allowed to talk to the referee. Yeah. I mean, and and Reinach, the the penalty in both instances should have gone against Reinach because that the the only parameter that um, that uh, Ben O'Keefe set for giving the penalty, Reinach was the only one who breached it on both occasions. Do you think there is an argument to say? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just posing the question. That Owen Farrell could have built a better overall relationship with Ben O'Keefe. And if he had, Ben O'Keefe would have listened to him more. There, there, you could, uh, well, you uh, could uh, make uh, that uh, argument. Uh, That's you what could I would say. make that argument, but then, I'd only, then, then you, can, you can make the argument. Could you argue that if Freddie Stewart kicked that last kick long, not short, mm-hmm. then England would have won the game? Could you argue that if Jamie George had just dried the, t- dried the ball a little bit more or before he th- or dried his hands before he threw the ball when it slipped out of his hands, then England would have won. It's it, it's almost, it's a pointless exercise. The point that the bigger point is. is the bigger point is England never looked like scoring a try, and that's why they lost the game. Uh, well, that and also Owen Farrell's dissent, which led to a penalty. So, you know, well, but, and, and or how about another one? England don't have good enough props. Like that, you, you, yeah. like that you, is. I'm, I'm not. Thing. I'm not having you making this about Owen Farrell, mate. Of I know you're you not. hate him, but. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many points of failure. What is the point in being hung up on one? I'm just, I'm just making the point that that was a catastrophic failure of 
uh, of leadership there. That's, that's the only point that they're making. I, 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 think, else... I think catastrophic failure of leadership. That's a one that point loss. That is a ridiculous thing one, to say. That's a, a ridiculous loss. way to characterise <laughs> what one, happened. It's a one point loss. That's all I'm saying. But let's, so let, let's move on from that because um, we've just touched on there what probably was the uh, biggest defi- deciding factor yeah. between the two teams. England's props are poor. Hang uh, on a minute. Well, yeah, not their props. No, no, I'm talking about the, the nation of England. Our pool of props is poor. Yeah, so yeah, that is let's probably just fair. hold this thought for one second. As I understood it, right, and this might just be the decline of one player. I mean, I'm assuming you would agree with this. But was it not the case that England lost the World Cup final because Sinclair didn't didn't play in it and Cole, well, came, Cole came off the bench. Well, that's kind of the narrative, isn't it? Which, yeah, but you'd, that's, you'd that's the narrative. Know. It's not really. If you look and, at the game again, it's not really what happened. Dan Cole was the was the scapegoat when he actually didn't have a bad game in that World Cup final. Right, and, and I think there's other differences as well. So Mako was kept on too long as a not ideal. He's not as good a scrummaging loose as, as Marla. Yeah, and you had if you remember the second row was. Uh, big courts and marrow so yep. it was two loose head locks with a non-scrummaging loose head mm. so it's I think if you look at that narrative the Sinclair call narrative it's just it's too small I, I can't come to any other conclusion that other than the fact that Kyle Sinclair has declined drastically as a player from the last World Cup I, I'm, I'm not even sure he's ever been that good a scrummager well he was okay I mean, he was okay. Yeah, he, uh, but you put, you put, okay is not great against the best scrum in the world. He was developing. I think that's a, I think that's the problem with Carl Sinclair. We had him on this trajectory where he was good enough. Did he start off the Lions? I think he did. He played. I don't think he started in any of the big tests. He, uh, I remember he came off the bench a couple of times because he almost lost his head coming off the yes. bench in 2017. He, he gave away a penalty. Did he not? Ty Furlong would have been the starting tight head, assuming so, he was fit for all of those. In so, 17? That's six yeah. years ago. So you got his I'm young... just trying to think. I'm sure he started against the All Blacks in the third test. Oh, maybe not. Maybe he came from... Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is you've got this young lad and props are players that develop late. So you've got a young lad who's already an England international. He carries like an absolute monster. His scrimmaging was getting slowly better and better at Harlequins. He goes to Bristol. I don't think he's been the same player. I don't think he's been close to the same player. And the way he got manhandled, I don't think that would have happened four, four years ago. I really don't. I'm not saying he wins those scrums. I'm not saying he prevents every other penalty. And I'm not saying all the penalties were his fault in this situation because one of them was down to Genge. But he's not the player that he was. I think, yeah, I think a couple of them were, were given as down to Genge. Um, I think you you might be right. But the honest answer is we don't know because four years ago he didn't play against South Africa. And, then we did. And, and the other thing I would say that maybe counters that is the fact that Ox and Che did exactly this to Raider Wardy last week. Oh, my word. Yeah. No, 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 he wouldn't have. He'd have done it to Alder Gary. Because Wardy would be on the yeah, side. Yeah, Wardy's the loose head, isn't Oh, it? correct, yeah. Sorry, Alder Gary, the tight head. Um, so, he, uh, who, Alder Gary, uh, it doesn't get bested by many people, and he got absolutely annihilated smashed. by Ox and Che. Smashed. So, it, it, so it, it, to, to, to then, maybe it's just that Ox and Che is that good, rather than anyone is that bad. Maybe South Africa are just so good at, in the prop area... Um, and, and also, the, 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 I think George Martin's selection was with with scrummaging in mind because the props, Joe Marler has talked before about how much, even though he's the same weight as Ollie Chesham, how much more George, George Martin seems to give yeah. to the props. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, just back to the Ox and Che point you make, this is why I do not subscribe to the idea 
which was sort of making the rounds last night, which was, oh, Oxenchay's boring in, or Oxenchay's not straight. Or I mean, Com was mentioned it. No, Oxenchay is legitimately a monster. And the reason I say that is because he did it last week against uh, Aldegheri. And that's not an accident. That's not an yeah. accident. This guy is legit. I, I think, um, from what I've seen, he might be the best scrummaging prop in the world. He yeah. probably is the best scrummaging. Yeah, and in fact, I think world. he might have done it to Weenie Antonio and then Aldegheri last week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, that's quite a CV, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite um, a CV. On the, so and, that, and, that, and that was the difference, wasn't it? That was the game right there. Well, I think the big difference was not the actual scrummaging itself. No. So, it, sorry, bear it's with the me. effect that has on... It's effect, and again, to talk, it's the same amateur level right up to the top yeah. level. You know the impact, as Phil talked about on the podcast midweek when we were looking ahead to this. Just the fear of knowing that a knock-on leads to a scrum, which could be an automatic penalty, and, just changes everything about the way you play. Well, and also, something you mentioned before, Benno Keith probably did lose his head. And when he's lost his head and when he's not entirely sure what is going on, which is completely understandable with the magnitude of the game, although not acceptable, um, he's going to give penalties to the scrum, which last looked like it was dominant. Yeah. And that's how you conceded that last penalty. You know, the damage yeah, was done completely agree. in the other scrums. It wasn't that scrum where, you know, I'm not sure that was a penalty, actually. Well, I mean, someone did something. Maybe a reset would have been fair. But So, yeah, and I... This is my other point about uh, Ben O'Keefe's reality. And I, I think Ben O'Keefe was was overall good in the game, mm. but I think these two incidents he got he got it wrong, and he spoke with such certainty about something that didn't happen. That's exactly what you ought to do. So yeah, I know is, all, I know which, all about this. This is where <laughs> in my world you get if you speak with certainty and you're wrong, you get held to a higher standard. <laughs> uh, um, so his reason for the last scrum uh, for the penalty was um, white loose head went to the knee but, yes but Genj never went to the knee <gasps> did he not no they but, no hang on didn't the assistant call that though no because he was on Genj's side he was on Genj and Vincent Cox's side and Genj never went to the knee so when they showed because we couldn't see it from oh, our side no. when they showed it from the reverse angle um, I think he... I think both sides were boring in the, the whole thing shunted across by several metres but he dis- again he described an incident. His his version of reality wasn't reality. I wonder what he saw. I wonder because you don't just say that. You uh, don't just say he went to the knee. Uh, he must have seen something. Flanker's knee, have, a second row. Some, some saw something. Something's happened. Um, but if we just if we just go back, I think there was four or maybe five previous scrums since Ox came on. Yeah, the first one was when Dan Cole was still on, and Dan. So England managed to get it away, but he absolutely destroyed Dan Cole. I don't know if you know, anyone noticed this. I did. But he yeah. just folded him in half. And then Dan Cole immediately comes off. But that, that didn't win a penalty. Then I think there was three back-to-back penalties, including <laughs> one of the ones that, that turned the game, which was the grubber kick through. Farrell receives the ball out of options and puts a great grubber kick through that Elliot Daly chases on uh, Aransa who kind of half juggles with it and then knocks it on. England scrum, just, oh, just is five a... metres out. Is this the one where they all pop up? Yeah, this Glorious. is Jamie George is the first man and to And Benambi, Benambi is mouthing off like no one, no one's business. And on that one, it looked like... So that one, Jamie George is the first to pop up. It actually looked like Sinclair got himself into a really strong position and it looked like he got the better hit on Ox. And then all of a sudden from nowhere... Ox just powers through him, uh, sinks and Jamie yeah, George. He, 
he goes underneath him, doesn't he? Yeah. He sort of jacks him up. It's when you watch it's it magical. again, like Sinks is in a great low body position, nice straight back, and he he's starting to drive through, and Ox actually takes a step back, and he's 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 almost his knees are too close to his chest. He looks in a horrible position, and then Incorrect. the power and then the power just comes on. I wonder if I wonder if there's an element of you just don't get props that good because they're so rare. You just don't get that props that, that good in the Premiership. I can't think of... Oh, no. like, who's the best loose head in the Premiership scrimmaging? Marla. Probably. I mean, yeah, Marla's very, very good. Who else? Is there anyone who's just a scrimmaging monster like Ayurza back in the day? I don't... If, if, you've got, if you're a world-class Marla's loose head... Prob- yeah, Marla's or... probably the best. But he's not as destructive as... He's a very, very good scrimmaging loose head. Yeah. But he's not as destructive as... Like, no one in the world is as destructive as... No, so no. the Premiership's not got the money to get the best scrimmaging loose head in whoever that may be whether it be South African Welsh anyone else if, you, if you're if you moving out of your home league you go into France mm. so if you if the best scrimmaging loose head in the world is not English he's not playing in the premiership that is just a fact and therefore you know how do you prepare for that it's very very difficult But there, so there was, there was one other scrum as well uh, with Ox- is this the one where they won it completely against the head uh, no so that there was there was that one. Um, oh yeah, uh, you don't see that very was, often in international rugby. Yeah, no, but there's one other that was interesting, which was the Mark Scrum. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I can't remember who called for the Mark. Was it Larue? Well, there was two, wasn't there? So this uh, this is late. Umbanam, on. Umbanambi yeah. called for it. He was captain at the time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I can't remember who took it. So first one to be taken was Pollard, and Pollard decided to kick it, and then he gets kicked back, and I'm. I think LaRue calls it, doesn't he? Yeah. But anyway, scrum midfield inside South Africa's 22. And on that scrum, England didn't concede a penalty. I think it might be the only one mm. where Ox was on the pitch that England didn't concede a, a penalty. Now, there's something different about that scrum from all the others in the way that England packed down. Go on. Laws packed down behind Sinks on that scrum. Did he really? On, the, on all the others, it was Ben Earl. Now... That, oh, I see. Right, that okay. is that is a difference um, because, well, for for two reasons. One, uh, Laws is at least ten kg heavier than Ben Earl, uh-huh. and number two, Laws is used to play in second row. So the one scrum that didn't lead to a penalty. That's a stupid question. Mm. Really stupid question. Well, you you, you know more about um, scrums than I do. It, it is a phenomenally stupid question. Go on. But um, you're losing. Scrums, and not just losing them, you can see the yeah. penalties, right? Getting destroyed. Laws does make a difference because a bit bigger than Ben Earl is a big difference. Ben Earl plays eight. You do have another enormous man yeah, on the pitch at the same time. And maybe putting him behind your struggling tight head might be a good idea. So I, I was thinking exactly this. Like, and we'll talk about Billy in a second, but um, why be, it doesn't make sense to me why Billy's packing down at eight when he's 30 kilos heavier than Ben Earl. Yeah. Um, that might be helpful. But on the final one, again, Ben Earl packed down behind Sinks. Um, Laws was behind um, was Genge. And that, again, led to a penalty. So I was screaming at the TV, why is why is Laws not behind Sinks, the man who is struggling more? I just, just swap around in live time as and when you see a prop struggling. <laughs> but if it, if they swap around, they did it the, the scrum before that, that did not lead to a penalty. Were they playing open and loose? Like, yeah, open and, they were. I, I, open and loose? Open and blind. I think I think they were, but um, yeah. That so that frustrated me. But why not exactly? I was also thinking, and there might be a good reason for this. But Billy is thirty kilos heavier than Benel. 
Yeah. Like that's gotta mean that's gotta mean something. Has to, doesn't it? Has to do something. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember the last time I've seen Billy scrimmage at flanker, but it, it's not that hard. Yeah, surely you, it's just not that hard. Surely, and that that might that could have possibly been the only positive contribution that Billy could have made in that game. Poor <laughs> Billy, because as far as I can recall, he had three other contributions. Twenty uh, something minutes in, when he was on for the blood bin for Tom Curry, he carries into Carry zone twenty-two. Yeah, knock on. That's number one. Number two. Uh, he was the guard at the back of the mall for when Dion Ferry broke that led to the Snayman try. And he, it's a little bit of a timing thing, but he stepped in precisely as Dion Ferry broke uh, and he just left a huge hole. And number three, the final carry of the game. He was the one who yeah. didn't secure the ball on the floor. He didn't have a, a good well, he was, game. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy who probably shouldn't have gone to the World Cup. He was in a race for fitness. Yeah, he's been a great servant, but it's difficult to say has he been the Billy Vern Vernapola of old. In the same way, Sinclair has declined. Billy has declined. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just unfortunate. He's been a great servant. And w- it was a terrible game from. And when I when I saw him on the team sheet, I did think, uh, and I said this to someone at work on Friday, uh, I would much prefer to see Ludlam. On the on yeah, the, yeah. on the bench. What, the what does Billy, uh, Billy weigh about one? I was going to say that's only compounded by the fact that who he replaced because he had to replace him, and I don't think he would have replaced. Yeah. But yes. seventy minutes, I did not want to see Tom Curry going off. That man is an absolute warrior. Explosive, one hundred and thirty kilogram men don't age well. Yes, you can only you can only remain when you're carrying that much weight. Yeah. You can only remain explosive for so long. Yeah, um, now, so that that was. Tough. That's the England replacements, and that was quite a conservative uh, well, uh, uh, way to do it. An England replacements, I don't think really anyone uh, made it, the England team stronger. No, no, they didn't. Even even Danny Kerr, he was his kicking was nowhere near as good as Alex Mitchell's. Again, I'm not I'm not pointing at. I don't think there's any use in going. The, the reason England lost this game is, is this. The reason England lost this game is they weren't good enough. And and that's that's an across the board global point. So, but Danny Kerr was not as good as Alex Mitchell. Billy yeah. Polo, as we just discussed, was not as good as Tom Curry. The props were not as good yeah. as the guys that started. Theo Dan didn't even play, and George Ford hardly got a, and Ollie Lawrence hardly got a look in. Yeah, agreed. No one, none of those England uh, replacements finishers or whatever you want to call them uh, were better than the man that they replaced. It's almost the reverse for South Africa. Who did um, Ollie Lawrence replace? Uh, Manu. Yes, he's better but, than him. Uh, but Lawrence didn't do anything in the game. No, he didn't. But, but, but Manu didn't do anything. So, like, in that game... I did not... think, as Lawrence came on, I thought, that could be a difference maker there. I yeah, really but, thought that. But, but it, it just didn't It just didn't happen. Let's talk... Uh, Lawrence, Lawrence on the... St- he had eight carries for zero metres. Okay, let's talk about one of the most remarka- oh, remarkable series of substitutions I've seen in an international match ever. Yes, we let's talk we, about that. We haven't actually discussed that. Since, Eddie, is, Jones, since Eddie Jones 2016. It might be bigger than that. You know? I, th- I think it's more remarkable than that. I, I really yeah. do. Like Eddie, Eddie Jones in 2016, he did it to Luke, Big Luth and he did it to Tamara Harrison. 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 Uh, Ezekwe yeah. got it. Ezekwe, yeah, after 25 to 30 minutes. But he, he just did one change. Yeah. He just did one change early on. This was... Um, I'd never seen it. Never seen anything like this early, and almost all the lead, well, the, the, all the leaders, the fly half, the captain, and Etzebeth. Yeah, your scrum half. 
Oh, God, yeah. Um, which yeah, was and, and it, it was ruthless the way he did it. So the second half began. Reinach's kick was a bad kick. Right, you're off. Yeah. And then it was, and then it was, who was the, who was the next one that went? Oh, Etzebeth. Etzebeth and Khaleesi just, in the same goal. Yeah. I mean, to see, I mean, yeah. it comes at, oh, Khaleesi often gets replaced. Yeah, yeah, but kind of, you know, it's your captain. Yeah. It's your captain. I actually think Benambi is a better captain anyway. And and Vermeulen, who's a big leader, big captain. Oh, Christ, as well. Holland, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you just got rid of, you know, those players that we, Marnie Libok maybe not a leader, but he is in a leadership position, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, any one of those guys is a legitimate international captain. And yeah. they've all captained South Africa, and they all went at the same time. And the guys that replaced them, has Faf captain South Africa? I don't think so. Pollard might have. Pollard maybe, Faf maybe once. I mean, a small game. Talk no. about a gamble. Yeah. Uh, but it's. But with Khaleesi, they've been doing that. All tournament, and that that wasn't that wasn't atypical. Forty five minutes all of them came did. off against against France. All of them. I mean, you know, if you're taking no, 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 no. I'm I'm saying for like I'm just saying it's like, like it's the the the, the Libok after thirty was the biggest surprise. I wasn't surprised by any others because against France, Khaleesi came off after forty four. Hang minutes. on a minute, hang on a minute. So you're ripping up the script, right? Which is what they did. They ripped the script. Uh, Libok uh, comes off. Well, no, this now, is my point. I don't think they did rip on, up the script. On, I think Libok was, but no. Hang on, just let me finish. Right, so. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Libok comes off. They have ripped up the script because you've got all these leaders coming off at the same time. You would expect your actual captain to stay on to steady the ship, in my opinion. No, no, that's what I'm saying. The the Libot one in 30 minutes was was, uh, ripping up the script and it was really brave and it was a recognition of probably, had they known the conditions before they named the team, they probably would have started with Andre Pollard anyway um, and and it was not going well. But the rest of them is is not atypical. This is what I'm saying. Look back at the the substitutions in the France game. Vermeulen, Vermeulen, Khaleesi came off about the same time as they did in this game. And I think it's to, to South Africa's credit that they have total faith in all 33 men in their squad and from game to game in, in, in the 23 from France to today. And it, I think it's, it is part of the plan. I, I don't I don't see those changes as ripping up the script. I see it as remarkable compared to other international teams and particularly a captain in leadership positions. But I think I, I take that almost more as the, the way that this squad operates is very, very special. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the the side-by-side, the changes um, last week. So Etzebeth didn't come off last week, but Mostert came off at 45, and Etzebeth was 45 this week. Yeah. So that's a similar... So you, 
they retained a bit more. And Mostert's the better tackler out of the two of them, and I think they were doing a lot of defensive work. Yeah, that's fair. And I think they're more worried about the France scrum than they are about the England scrum, um, with good reason. Therefore, they wanted Etzebeth and Sneeman, um in the in the um, second row against France, whereas they could um, continue to have Mostert this week. Um, Khaleesi last week, 46 minutes. This week, 50 minutes. Yeah, they mentioned so, that in comms, the, the, the Khaleesi thing. Yeah. But um, Nishay was uh, three minutes earlier this week. Um, Mal Herb was uh, eight minutes earlier this week. Um, and Vermolin was one minute earlier, although he came back on because Peter Stafford Toy got um, a head injury last week. So it's, and then De Klerk and Reinert was, so, so it's actually, yeah, looking at it side by side. Um, Libok was 14 minutes earlier. Everything else was broadly the same. <laughs> like, it re- really is. So do you think, here's a question for you, do you think that the sliding doors moment of South Africa's World Cup is Malcolm Marks getting injured? Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Maybe they would have just won things more comfortably and not had to have one a one point. But they don't have Pollard. Yes, good point. So, uh, well, someone in. else no because Mapimpi went got injured after that, and oh, Pollard he? would have just come back in. Who did they bring in for Mapimpi? I thought he got injured um, before. Lucanio Am. Well, is Am in the squad? Is he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've got a couple of um, handy centres in Esther Hazen and Am, who are just not playing. Good lord! <laughs> no, the backups. Uh, so, I think even if uh, Mark doesn't get injured. And Mapimpi don't get doesn't get injured, and no one gets injured. Someone gets told that they're injured. Yeah, like someone, yeah. someone is out of that squad to Off get to get Pollard in. Wow, <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, I've got. I know. I know. In WhatsApp, we referenced a good banter earlier. Actually, it was it was quite good fun. But I, I honestly have no sour grapes about the the result, and I have no uh, oh, well, residual disappointment. Ha- I was absolutely crushed at full time last night well, in in, uh, the word- in the stadium and. The word you used was content, yeah. and I don't think you mean that, Tim. I think you mean different word. Uh, well, I'm no, I'm, I'm content that. Well, I, I think it's easier to lose when you've given everything. I don't know. And oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, mate. I, I, I feel like I would have rather had a thirty-point hiding than what we had last night. Yeah, I, 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 know, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And I was, it was, it was at like sixty. I, I remember vividly. It was at sixty-seven minutes, and I said to Alfie, the the chap who sat next to me, I said, five minutes. We just need five minutes to keep the game. If we can keep the this uh, a two-score game for four five minutes, we're in. And one minute, one minute later, try. It was uh, they went down that end. Oh, that's one thing that doesn't get enough credit. Like the, the the kick from halfway to actually win it, but the the touch kick from Pollard to get within five was oh, outstanding. Yeah. We sh- we should mention that actually because both teams had a hundred percent kicking rate, which like ne- neither neither side missed a kick. Uh, there were some bloody cut, tough kicks. You just mentioned those two from Pollard. Um, there were some bloody tough ones for Farrell as well, and the drop goal from Farrell was. Unbelievable! It was that very good. Uh but yeah, I, I'm with you, Tim. I, I felt I felt sick at, at full time, but I I don't really. And I I kind of gone a bit um, heavy on the Ben O'Keefe those two moments. I thought, other than those, I thought he had a good game overall. Yeah, I thought I thought he, he let let things go on broadly correctly. 
there was a few iffy decisions, but they were consistent on both sides. And the, and I, the scrums were very hard. And exactly what you said before, yeah. JB, that if South Africa are dominant for five scrums leading up to the final one, you can't really blame him for giving the no, penalty absolutely in South Africa's favour. I think that's a brilliant way of, of characterising it, rather than the stills that you're seeing online of I hate those stills. forward and stuff. I, I, I hate that stuff. I think that, that that is the best way to look at it, the way you've characterised it. And the um, the other thing I would say, and this is a, ever such a smile, a slight smugness and also irritation, is I was in the stadium when, uh, and there were a lot of French fans actually in the stadium, and I think I got it wrong about the England fans booing Owen Farrell in Marseille. I'm sure some did, but it was very clear that it was French fans that were booing Owen Farrell. Amazing. Oh, it was French <laughs> <fans that> also, <laughs> yeah, it was French fans that, that booed Eben Etzebeth because they were obviously still raging about the what they claim was a knock-on. And by what? the way, World Rugby um, somehow oh leaking to L'Equipe or L'Equipe getting hold of some kind of communications which said, yeah, Ben O'Keefe got this decision wrong and this decision Outrageous. wrong. Outrageous. It's, it's awful. It's absolutely shocking because, I mean, so all, I'm, all so the French public and the, and the French World Cup has been brilliant. Some of the fans that have attended the stadium and some uh, have, have just been outrageous. The way they booed Eben Etzebeth. They booed Owen Farrell, and the boo that Ben O'Keefe got was—I've oh, never—I haven't heard a boo that loud ever right. in a rugby stadium. Just ever. let me stop you there a second, Tim, because I'm going to link a few things together. Just very quickly, the Nambi's racial slur. Because I, we need—I want to link that to something else. Uh, I have no idea. Alleged. Uh, alleged. Yeah. We don't know. England haven't lodged any official complaint. It was apparently heard by some people on a ref mic, and journalists followed up and asked questions about it. No, n- no one, dec- no one wanted to comment on it. So at this point, it could it could amount to absolutely nothing. It also there, got but, picked but, up with yeah. ben, with Ben Curry asking the ref as well. It did. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that was yeah. Tom. Curry. Oh yeah, Tom Curry. Yeah. So. I mean, I would just point out this, which is... No, no, that's that was the bit that got picked up on ref. Yes, mic, yeah, not, the not the actual words. Yes. I yeah. would like to point out this, right? I I generally have zero problem with it. Zero problem with it. And th- this is my line of thinking. If something slips up your mouth, no matter how offensive it is, and you're playing a game of rugby, and your intention is to hurt, hurt each other, because let's be honest, their intention is to hurt each other. Like, if you gave Ben Curry a clean shot on Vanambi legally and he could hurt him as much as he could do you think he would take it 100% 100% right he is trying to smash him they are trying to do grave physical damage to each other <laughs> at all times and to say that they're not i mean it doesn't mean they want to ruin each other's lives it's just part of the game right that's just how in tempers flare thing things are said and that is very very different isn't it to if in the pre-game Benambi said i really hate white people <laughs> or I really, you know, it's it's just a different, it's an order of magnitude different. You know, things slip out of people's mouths. And by the way, I, this goes both ways. And this goes for basically all slurs on a rugby field. Unless you can give me proof that in their actual life, this is how they feel. You know, it, it's like if you go into a fight on the street and you happen to say something homophobic or racist in your fight, even though it had nothing to do with that thing, it would be classed as a hate crime, even though it had nothing to do with that. And that's kind of where I am here. <laughs> So I, I hear I hear what you're saying, JB. I struggle to, and I understand you 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 would draw a distinction, but I do struggle to to hear that point and then think back on on the conversation we had about Owen Farrell talking to Ben O'Keefe. Go on. Well, 
like being be, in one case you're like he should have he should have built a better relationship and should have communicated better and then on the other hand it's I, like I, well, you I, can't you can't control what you say on a rugby field i am completely i am utterly and utterly consistent with saying that owen farrell should not use racial slurs against the referee <laughs> i have never said anything different right and I'm it's fine sure. if you want it's fine if you wanted to use one on a south african player <laughs> um it's, well i mean he's not wrestling no, but, mate and the, come on he's not wrestling ben o'keefe to the ground is he but his, Look, I, I, don't, but his, I don't. I don't particularly want to go there until his, here until is, we here, know if this is even a thing which any player wants right. to actually raise as an actual allegation here, rather than just conjecture. Right. Very good. Here is the thing, though. Right, rugby has got his morals so mixed up at the moment, so mixed up, and I, I put this sort of emphasis on language over actions. Um, uh, well, I want to look at this idea of language over actions. Uh, world rugby, right? are far more afraid of what, say, someone like Israel Folau will say rather than the actual damage that um, Gareth Thomas did, right? And they'll have their picture taken with Gareth Thomas like the CEO of World Rugby did in this very World Cup and they invite him into studios and everything else. If Benambi gets done for this, I just don't like it. I think all this stuff which happens on the rugby field should stay there. Now, the final thing which I was going to say is that I do believe that this World Cup, one of the things we can finally put to rest is the idea of rugby values, quote-unquote. So you've had this, you've had the booing of Ben O'Keefe, you've had numerous numerous occasions of dissent to ref, and I'm not talking about Owen Farrell here. I'm talking about, no, actually, he's not the worst, far from it. The way Dan Bigger has spoken to the ref, the way... Who wasn't even the captain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the way, was it, oh, maybe there was someone in the Island game is. Oh, who was the other one? Someone else's. Well, they, it might have been Benambi, actually. The, uh, it, well, in the Island game, you had the uh, or the Island All Blacks game. You got all that carry on after the carry uh, on afterwards. Did you have some carry on in this one afterwards? I don't there think was, you did. Was yeah, because was... Vili Larue was. I mean, like, I, I, I see. I, I don't want it to come across as like sour grapes. I, I would congratulate South Africa. They won the game, but Vili Larue was a bit of a dick after the game. What did I've not actually well, seen this. I've seen the, there was a scuffle he, he, right he just, towards he, the end. He sort of he didn't just he didn't just celebrate by punching the air. He celebrated by like like goading England players a little yeah, bit. The emphasis is always like, on, just a bit of a dick move. Yeah, the emphasis should always be on the winner to be graceful. Yeah, uh, absolutely always. And you know, don't be a sore loser, but more importantly, don't don't be a sore winner. And New Zealand did it. New Zealand, who who pride themselves on not being dickheads, turns out they're all dickheads. But, you know, <laughs> I'd rather that. I'd much rather that. Um, Ireland turned out to be a bunch of whinging morons. Um, even even the legendary and godlike Anton Dupont had a whinge about the ref. You know, if this yeah, is- that, that was far worse than that was that was worse than anything really because he was a captain and uh, and he wait after the game after out the of game. the heat of battle he then went in on a ref. Yeah, like no. I, I, but you add all these no. things together. Can we just get rid of the, rug- the idea of rugby values per se and embrace it for what it is, which is a gladiatorial combat sport. So just, and they should hate each other. Just on the rugby values, I think you'll like this. Yes, please. JB, it's, a, it's an email, contacttedchasers at gmail.com, from uh, Martinus Jansi van Vuren. Oh, I read this one. You can imagine where his um, allegiances lie. Yes. And he says, uh, greeting experts, love the pod, love the YouTube channel, blah. Uh, he says, I was raised to hate the English. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where's, always... Where, where, where's he from? Scotland? <laughs> Which is always a good introduction uh, to our emails. Uh, I'm a white Africana, and the basis for that hate is the Boer War. Uh-huh. War crimes scorched earth, earth during that war. Did, did he fight in it? 
But perhaps slightly before his time. I, I mean, I, I hate the French French because I'm still angry about the Napoleonic Wars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't you get Don't you get me on those Normans? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Toby Flood pushing Percy Montgomery into that a is an outrage. Actually, no, that is legitimate. 2007 is legitimate. Rugby World Cup final. But fair. But last night I let go of that anger. <laughs> the hate in me evaporated when I saw the post match interview with Owen Farrell. The embodiment of all my hate. <laughs> I can see a man holding back tears, a general forced to surrender to save his troops and spare the lives of his enemies he would have slaughtered in his eventual defeat. A bigger man was not present on that field, and for that he earned my respect, nay, my adoration. Well, well, well. The game was an absolute nightmare to watch. After 15 minutes, I could not shake a Brighton Miracles version 2 feeling. Hang on a minute, is it... Is which is which is a bit of um, <laughs> it's an offence to um, England comparing them to Japan. Japan. Uh, can I just uh, can I ask? Just check that email. It's not from Tim, is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's titled Martinus Yancy von Veren, but the the email comes from uh, Tim at Cockermedia Weird. <laughs> How is, does that happen? That is weird. There's <laughs> massive respect for this England team, their coach, <laughs> and above all, their general. Send. Thank, thanks for the memories, okay, uh, can I Martinez. Say, I'll, just, I'll just finish. I, I must get, there's, there's a taverna with my, my food's getting cold at the go. taverna down the road, so I'm going to have to go shortly. But, but um, no, I will just say, there was, yes, you're right. What I will say is, you're right, that on the, it's gladiatorial combat on a field, and any rugby values is a bonus. It shouldn't be uh, this, Yes, bonus. That we a... then say we're better than fo- football because yeah. of. That's yes. exactly where you should put yeah. it. Yeah, but but what I will say, what I will say is that there was what what I have seen uh, in France, and you see at any rugby ground is the fans generally when you when the game's done and everyone goes to the bar, it's still the rugby the rugby values exist there without any question. Yeah. Not on social media, and not from the players, but from the fans at one hundred percent. Fantastic. Right, you go and you go and have your. Uh, oh, I enjoyed that, boy. Thank you very much. Yes, no and, uh, yeah. Thanks for letting me get on. Cheers, Cocker. All right, mate. See you later. Uh, one final thing, because that that just reminded me. Mm-hmm. Saying it was a nightmare to watch. So um, I was going to watch this with you, JB, but I got reminded that I had to um, babysit for my uh, brother-in-law, sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched this on my own uh-huh. in a unfamiliar surrounding and uh, I'm not drinking at the moment neither am I but before uh, so I was having just a bit of uh, small talk with them just as they were leaving out the door and I was switching the game on um, to watch it and they said are you, oh, you going to have a drink I said like, oh no I'm not drinking and they said oh what, what happens if England win uh, would you would you not even like have one to celebrate I was like no but you know why I might have to have one would be if my nerves are sh- so shot, if my adrenaline is so high, are you aware this is a bad sign? At eighty minutes, um, I might have to. I might have like a little whiskey to help me get to sleep <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> which I know is a bad. It's, it's a bad sign, that Phil. So anyway, uh, I, so brother-in-law put, put some lafouag on the side in the kitchen Oof. for me for after, for after eighty minutes. Twenty minutes into the game, I I was like stress up to my eyeballs i looked at my watch my heart rate was 106 no watching the game 20 minutes in and i managed to last another five minutes before going for a double of work so i how much did you have in the end i had probably three doubles throughout the game six six, quick, measure, six, six shots six, of whiskey six measures of whiskey nothing like drinking on your own is there 
Oh god, I but they so when they came back so they were like, Oh, we heard the result, commiserations and they were like, What's happened in the lounge? I was like, um I might have had some nervous energy. <laughs> so their lounge was So you've you've trashed your brother in law's lounge. No, their lounge was absolutely spotless. Like every cushion in the right place, everything. Oh, you're that away. kind of drunk. Well, it, I'm in someone else's house. So, to work out what, like, you punched holes in the wall. No, so, no, 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 no. He's restored the paintings. And there was um an enormous uh basically a tower of Lego in one corner of the room that was about four foot high. That's hide behind something. I, I just I had so much nervous energy. It was horrible. I didn't have any of that. No, because... I watched w- it in stoic silence. <laughs> well, you had no, no dog in the fight. I, I actually managed to get a load of work done during it. I, oh, really? Yeah, I opened up a Word document um, and then typed up my notes for the game as I went along, mm. like a consummate professional. Then I processed uh, some work for, um, well, Beardmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors, pensions, investments, insurances, and everything else. So Fantastic. That's what I did. I got loads of work done d- d- done last night to the background of rugby and also managed to type away. And if there was um, some way to contact specifically you in Bidmore Independent Financial Advisors, how would one go about that? One would type t- simply into their e- into the email address, jonathan at bidmoreifa.com. Ah, yeah. very interesting. So should you need that service, that's how you access it. Now, there was another game. There was. Now, we were not kind to Ben O'Keefe, but I think we were fair. I I think so. A, a little bit of my comments were slightly flippant although i was i was not the best pleased last night but having watched it back i think i think it was generally fair to both teams well i do not think this ref is fair to argentina in one one bit at all it's angus gardner we, we angus had. gardner he uh, was referee of the year 2018 who we had the pleasure of interviewing and by the way in 2018 when he obviously made the right call on farrell's uh, legitimate tackle on andre esterhazen to win the game uh, <laughs> against the springboks then uh, in person i've got to say i do like i do like angus we shared a beer and he's a yeah, lo- he's a lovely bloke nice guy however i thought he was horrible in this game i mean i really thought that the refereeing decisions made almost exclusively against argentina they they it handed argentina the uh, handed the all blacks the game within half an hour so I think it's, I think it's um, tough to blame the referee when it's forty-four-six. However, there was a turning point in this game, yeah, where uh, Argentina were attacking, and there there was multiple penalties, including Jordi Barrett just kind of knocking the ball. Uh, this, so this is twenty minutes oh. into the game, uh, thirty-four minutes because it led to the second penalty from Buffelli. Um but. It was, I think it was 12-3 at the time. Argentina banging on the New Zealand door and there are multiple penalties, including Jordi Barrett knocking the ball out on when he's prone on the floor. Yeah. Now, now, uh, there's another one. Several of those should have been yellow cards. Yes! And that, that prevented... So, yellow card, Argentina score a try there. It's 10-12. Yeah. As it happens, they just get the three and then... Um, who scored just the third? New Zealand scored a third try just before half time. It was Shannon Frizzell in the left hand yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. third try just before half time. And that made it, whatever it was, 17 or 19 6 at half time. And at that point, it kind of was game over. And I can't help but feel if it was 12 10 with a man in the bin for New Zealand, it does end up being a bit of a different game. It does, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, there is a tipping point in a game like you say there, where you just kind of think, what is the point here? 
the first All Blacks try, they were gifted. They just marched up the field, penalty, penalty, penalty. And then they were in They were in, in the corner. The most egregious one, I mean, there were a few egregious ones. There was clearing the man out beyond the ruck. I mean, come off it. Come off it. Right? And the other one, which just drove me nuts. And I don't think, Geordie Barrett was a different one, I think. Somebody comes over a ruck and they try to go for the ball. That's completely legitimate. Well done, great. But they knock it on. They knock it on. Now, if you're coming over the over a ruck to try and pick it up, and it's in the five meter zone, and you knock it on, that is a yellow card. It's a penalty at least. It's mm. it's beyond a knock on. That's not a normal knock on. No issues. Mm. But this happened over and over again. And then Argentina were just found. I just think that they weren't given the rub of the green in any way. I I. It's hard for me to remember every individual instance because I don't have my phone with me with my notes on. But I remember just making voice note after voice note saying, this is outrageous. Some of the things that they're getting called up for here, which the All Blacks are not getting called up for, uh, I mean, whether you need to be a tier one side to get the respect, <laughs> I, I, well, obviously you are a tier one side, but whether you need to be a, an absolute world powerhouse to get the decisions, I don't know. But maybe, I thought it was very, very poor, poor refereeing. Maybe you need to talk to the ref in a different manner. Maybe Montoya well, was was not communicating as he should do. Maybe he's doing a bit of a, an I, own thorough. I never, ever like to go down this route. Ever, right? But there could be something to be said for referees speaking some Spanish, I guess. I mean, I hate it when anyone goes, oh, isn't it great that Wayne Barnes speaks yeah. French? Because I assume Wayne Barnes is professional enough in order not to have to do that, right? And they can sort of communicate in a certain way. Maybe there is something in it because there's no way that Montoya, who, you know, I, I get reports of what this guy is like around Leicester. He is meant to be one of the most outstanding humans mm-hmm. that anyone in Leicester has ever worked with. They, they love him. They call him the emperor. They absolutely love him. <laughs> right? But if he can't get his message across for whatever reason, that is a problem. That's a massive problem. And if it is a language barrier thing, that again is a massive problem. But I don't believe it is. Yeah, I think right, wrong, good, bad or indifference, rugby... Uh, as with aviation and pilots have mm. the um, primary language of, of English. English, and that's so how it should be. That is how you communicate. So it's not, for me, it's not on the referees. It is on the, the captains and the teams, whether you like that or not. But that is the situation. You'd have to change English being the, the language of rugby to change that situation. I think you're right, because you do go down that ridiculous oh, idea I, of Fiji versus Georgia. Who refs it? Well, Japan. Japan is... Um, they've beaten some of the top teams. Like, do you, does referees have to start learning Japanese? Well, they speak to Michael Leach. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you are when, right. Ma- yeah, when, when Leach... Probably, why, probably that is why Michael Leach is the, is the captain. Yeah, it's, yeah. And now, Japan probably won't struggle because they've got any number of uh, Aussies, Kiwis and Safas lining up to play for them. Yeah. Um, and indeed, Pacific Islanders. Uh, but... That's yeah. I don't think you can blame. It is the actually ref. a much bigger problem, isn't it, for the South American countries than it is for the like the Japanese. Uh, but, well, because I think all of Argentina's players were born in Argentina. Yeah, same with Chile. Same yeah. for who else is and, Uruguay. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, England are, they're not the favourite nation in Argentina. What? I don't, I don't think I don't think too many people were rushing to to learn English <laughs> in Argentina. Well, I mean they've got to spy on those signals somehow. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, in the end, I really I if I was a bit disappointed because I I, th- I think there were some um, unusual decisions and a failure to give a yellow card 
uh, to New Zealand in that first half was bad. I don't think it would have mattered in the end. I don't think the end result would have mattered, but it would have made a, a, better. a much better spectacle. Yeah, you know, I agree. I am firmly of the opinion that the future of rugby is in France and South America. Mm. Now, I don't think there's much left of the rest of the world, and if there is, it's declining. I think the only gro- yeah, Portugal and Spain. I think that they are two legitimate markets for growth. Yeah, basically Spanish-speaking nations, mm. right? And the, I don't know why this is. Hang on, let me put it a different way. It's not that there's nothing left in the existing nations, but they're not growing, they're stagnating. So where you're going to find your growth is from the Spanish-speaking nations. That's what I mean. That's where the game has got the potential to get bigger. I I tend to agree. Spanish and Portuguese-speaking nations. Because Brazil as well um, would be like some uh, fantastic scrummaging from a few years ago from that Brazil team. There was actually, wasn't there? Yeah. So like, because this was such a washout for a semi-final... If it was a close game or whatnot, I think that bodes much better for Argentina and you know, all the Spanish-speaking nations, really. Uh, definitely, yeah. If it was a close game, 100%. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to talk about... I've seen a few things on Twitter. and I've not seen any Twitter at all. Sensible. There are some people like using this as um, ammunition to say the whole... Um, draw is a joke now the draw is suboptimal from some angles but it to use this this um result as the ammunition to say the whole draw is a joke is a bit weird because to do that you have to ignore the fact that so we've had now six knockout games yeah five of which have been absolute Dynamite. Five of which have been like some of the best knockout games and closest knockout games we've ever seen. Yeah. And just on that one, actually, one thing I wanted to ask Tim and you is like, you didn't actually mention the quality of the England game. Because uh, I was too nervous. Um, I thought some of the skills in the air um, were superb. Some of the kicking from both sides, but I thought England got the better overall, was superb. Some of the hits, the uh, multiple hits by... Um, George Martin, just multiple, multiple, um, several by Tom Curry. Um, Elliot Daly nailed Dwayne Vermeulen. Yes, he did. And he also na- nailed, I think it was a Rancy, um, which is easier to do because he weighs about 40 Somewhat kilos less. Easier, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Somewhat easier. Um, and so there were some superb elements um, to that game, of combative elements. I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, if... Meters made was the primary stat you were looking for. Um, the Argentina New Zealand game was over a thousand, um, and it's five hundred versus six hundred um, in New Zealand's favour. So both teams made a lot of m- meters with ball in hand. Uh, England was two hundred and thirty versus one hundred and ninety, so barely over four hundred meters total. But that's that's just looking at one narrow parameter. Yeah, like it means nothing to me. Yeah. You you can have great games with lots of meters made. You can have some fantastic games without. Yeah. Well, I, I just I guess backs up your point. Like, is this the game to knock? I mean, the draw some optimal yet, but you can't necessarily make. You know, you can't doctor a competition so close that you get the perfect draw. There's always going to be it's always going to be suboptimal. But you're right. France France versus uh, South Africa. One of the greatest games of all time. Uh, yeah, Ireland versus Saw Blacks. One of the greatest games of all time. I mean, like yeah. you've got like like three games. Ireland versus South Africa was 
I mean, that was... An- I mean, how... This World Cup has really thrown up some of the all-time classics. There's never been a World Cup with this many classic yeah, games. That, and, that's, and then the England game. That's my kind of... So everyone's... To, so to make the... To, to, to argue that the draw is rubbish because of this one game, you have to ignore, like, half a dozen, like, truly amazing games. Yeah. Like, some of the all-time brilliant games. And we saw one more to which, go. Which you only would have got in the semi-final in a... Per- so you would have had in uh, kind of three good games if everything goes well in a perfect world yeah but this you've had them right throughout the tournament including four last weekend and an all-time classic this weekend and multiple in the group stages yeah so i mean when i those games i've mentioned i mean i'm not just saying they were good games they are truly excellent games yeah yeah the two the two 8 p.m's last weekend in the quarters they are legitimately two of the best games of all time two of the best games i've ever witnessed yep agree to that agree to that Maybe so, the yeah. game didn't quite match those. Oh, in some ways, it, it was a hell of a game, though. In some ways, it did. Yeah, it might not have had all, all the skill set in terms of uh, the running and the distribution, but it didn't need it no. because it had the stories, it had the physical battles, it had the confrontation, uh, and it had the heartbreak at the end. Yep. Anyway, so I mean, I don't know what you want to say about the Argentina game. Maybe Tim was right. There's not much to I, to say. Um. Will Jordan's quite handy. He's all right. I mean, yeah. I could finish with the All Blacks. Uh, you say that for the first two. The third one. I, I think I switched off, but... The third one The third one is from his own 22. Yeah, I got to 60 minutes, I think, and I thought, oh, forget this. I'm yeah. Like, I'm, getting, I'm just getting angry. He's, so he had two relative walk-ins, although even though you've got to be in the right place, and one of them he popped up on the opposite wing just at the right time. Yeah, but would you blame me if I only got two tries in a World Cup semi? I mean, you wouldn't really go to town on me, would you? Two tries in a World Cup. No, but the third one, like, if you... you I can, don't need you, it. You can say, you can say that, um, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of proves the point. You, as a an above-average level seven winger, um, and <laughs> highly above-average level seven tight head prop, Thank you. Um, could score two of those tries. Sadly, the third one you're not scoring. I'm not sure. I'm not sure many people in world rugby score that third one. I need to look from at his own up, twenty-two. I've not, I've not actually seen it. Yeah, the all the all backs are very interesting going into this last game because I still don't think they're a, a great team. I think their pack is underpowered, but yeah, that's the problem. The talent in the backs is as good as it's ever been. Maybe they're not the best backline, but the talent. The talent is yeah. Because you you made this point about the best, the all-time best. All Black Centre Partnership is Manu and Conrad Smith. Yeah. But in terms of the physicality, the acceleration, the pace... Skill set. The, skill, the overall skill set, Ioani and Barrett, got, they can do more. Oh, much more. I don't think there's a pair in the world, ever. <laughs> I mean, who is a better, who's a, who's a better pairing? Hard to think. I mean, the, the, French, the current French pairing are phenomenal. Uh, who's, this, who's the 13? Uh, Fiku. Dante and Fiku. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they've they've not reached the World Cup final. Yeah, and Dante is a very unique player, but he can't do what I mean. Likewise, Barrett cannot do what Dante does. No, Dante cannot do what fa- what Barrett does. Yeah, that that's a hell of a centre partnership. But yeah, you're right. Um, and Dialandi and Lucano Am on their day were phenomenal as yeah, well. That is true. I just don't think that there's anyone. I don't think there's any pair of centres which was well rounded as these two, physically and skill wise. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, but I don't think. So my head now for this game, we'll touch it briefly, I'm sure we'll do a, a midweek uh, preview pod. My head for this game is, how long can New Zealand have scrum parity? 
and how far ahead can they get with that scrum parity? Because when when the ox comes on, when the bomb squad comes on, uh, and that is, I'm sure I saw the official uh, South African announcement, and they called the bench the bomb squad. Oh, the their, whole bench is not the bomb squad, is it? Yeah, they're on their official announcement. I hate this substitutes. <laughs> I hate it as well. Like England, England had finishers for a period of time. Yeah, Harlequins had game changers for a period of time. Concussion boys, we had that for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Get the concussion. In fact, that's exactly what New, New Zealand actually did use. Concussion boys, like, oh, we'll be expecting changes soon in case someone gets injured. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I, now it is. Can. Can they get parity for one at the start? Nope. And maybe no. can can they can they for let's say they get parity because South Africa I think are smart. I think they yes. don't. I think they've done it. They did it to a degree against England. They did it against Scotland. Um, perhaps less. Perhaps a bit against Ireland early on, but they don't go for scrum penalties early on because they show a nice picture to the referee. Mm. They wait for the opposition and. They wait for the opposition to tire, and then when they know they can definitely, when it's not a 50-50, they know they're definitely going to get it. It's on. They go for it. So I think there will be some parity early on. Uh, can New Zealand use that to get enough points to give them enough of a bust for, for when they no longer have parity for 30 or so minutes, when if Ox comes on after 50 minutes again, uh, the last 30 minutes, when they do not have parity, can, um, are they far enough ahead? I think the answer is no. But we will see. We will see. We will see indeed. I, but I don't think they are power. I don't think they go ahead in the game at all, really. I don't, I, for all the skills they've got and all the power and the pace, if that South Africa team get their defence spot on, I do not actually think that the New Zealand coaching team are going to come up with a strategy which will be smart enough to out to outmatch South Africa. Whereas I think the South African but, coaching team will come up with something. I don't know, because South Africa didn't play particularly well against England. No, they didn't. They... The big, they were the second best team in many facets, perhaps not all, uh, apart from the scrum. They were, but they were light years ahead in the scrum for the last thirty minutes. Yeah, the other thing as well about that game, and hopefully we'll see South Africa change this up a bit. It's like their backs were contained, and their backs have been electric mm. of late. But we didn't see anything really of Ches and Colby or Aransi or Creel or Dialande. They were very quiet. Uh, None of them. 190 metres with ball in hand. Total. Uh, of the back line, Cheson Colby made 18 metres, beat no defenders. Uh, Rans- no defenders? Uh, Ranse made 24 metres, beat two defenders. Valencia, 27 metres, beat two defenders. Creel didn't run a single time with ball in hand. Dialande made nine metres. So, mm. no, no one ran... Mm. The the whole back line didn't make a hundred meters yeah, with ball I, it, in hand. It'd be interesting. That New Zealand defence was mighty impressive against Argentina. Um But it's a different beast. Yeah. I mean they had ref assistance, they had everything else. You you if you're ref refing these two, it's gonna be very hard to be biased. Now, <laughs> there's a horrible thing, there's a horrible reality to this. That the treatment of Nick Berry, which was horrific mm-hmm. and I, I think we've all roundly condemned that condemn this it is like a warning shot to other referees this is what will happen to you well so in 2021 do you know who was the referee that followed um, Nick Berry for the second test in the Lions tour no Ben O'Keefe 
one was it? The man who has refereed the quarter final and the semi final oh. for South Africa. Ooh. I mean, I I just don't think that's a particularly good look uh for world rugby of making that appointment twice on the bounce after twenty twenty one. So did have you listened to um with Ross Tucker, John Dobson, the Stormers head coach. No, it's, I haven't. It's about four weeks. It's really worth listening to. Okay. Really, really worth listening to. Because uh, he talks about um, the Stormers. Like, he talks about scrummaging and says, they spend 20 million rand. Uh, I think he said 20 million rand. X million rand. Uh, yeah, 20 million oh, rand. 20 million rand. Well, what's the exchange one, rate? Like one million one, pounds. Yeah, but one million yeah. pounds on three players in their front row. Uh, in Kitsy. Um, Dweber and Malherb and if referees aren't giving them scrum penalties well that's 20 million rand wasted (laughs) (laughs) it's so true Um, but he in that says he he has no doubt that that Lions tour the second and third test were won by the Razi Erasmus video really and he's a South African director of rugby and I do I do wonder if its effects are still being felt today. Without doubt. And we looked at that that, that game and the the one after the second test in the Lions, it took well over two hours to complete that game. So interesting, this, isn't it? This game took nearly two hours to complete. I look at the world as it is now, and one of my pet hates is basically institutions, companies, whatever it is, who operate not for the benefit of their consumers or their shareholders, but for other tangential interests, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing in the world for South Africa to do when um, uh, when Razzie got done for that ref thing, which I thought was sackable, actually. I, I, I mean, I would say that because I thought his behaviour was disgusting. Yeah, so I, if I put a South African rugby hat on, I do not sack him. I, However, I, I yes, this him. is... If, with world rugby... I, I would think I might have been calling for a much longer ban at the time. Yeah. And I think it's probably right to do so. So for South African rugby to sort of keep them in place, because actually their goal is to win rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the right... It's, yeah, yeah. It's not nice. It's not nice for everyone else, but you know, that is what you're meant to be doing. And it, it, this is... Uh, if you're a South African, if you want South Africa to win, you will rightly, because your incentives are aligned, you will rightly love Razi Erasmus. Yeah, and love the fact that he did that. He's a dickhead, but he's our dickhead. He's, yeah, that kind of if thing, he's your it? dickhead, and lots of teams have those players, like the Welsh love Dan Bigger. Yeah, the, the English for the longest time nice loved out. Mike Brown. Dan Bigger is legitimately one of the nicest yeah. humans in the world, and I, off a rugby pitch. Yeah, yeah, and lo- we know lots of people uh, who, when when they're on the rugby pitch, are totally different yeah. animals. When I see him on the field, my, he makes my eyes pop. Like, <laughs> what What are you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you behaving? And that's we we judge Razzie, and when we kind of flippantly say he's a dickhead, we judge him for the the rugby, the rugby content, not the other stuff. Although some of his uh, drunken dad dancing is a bit of a awful dickhead play, but we judge him for that because we are not on his side. Yeah. If you're on his side, you would absolutely love him. This this has a, this does have a hangover, but so does the almighty power of the New Zealand um, of the New Zealand Union. I just don't think Argentina have that sort of power. So if you're the ref in this game, I think you, you, you've got to call it down the middle. You've got to do that. You know, no one no one from the Argentina Union is keeping um, any refs up at night. And I I, th- I think and the refs do all 
hundred they call it down the middle as they see it. But I do think sometimes other factors um can can possibly get on top of them. Mm, true. Even like other factors that are legitimate factors, like we said, if you've conceded four scrum penalties in the last twenty minutes and there's one that's fifty fifty it's not going to go your way. Exactly. And that, that was one of the things that cost England that game. Yeah. So yeah, no one, what does um, Kahneman call it? The um, availability heuristic. Do you know what that is? You've read Thinking Fast and Slow, haven't you? I have the book. Does, does that count? Uh, close enough. Yeah, okay. yeah you're, you're, Oh, I have read it, yes. You're Sorry. influenced by the most available. Uh, you, you always think of, um, easy to think of examples. Yes. And that, that skews your viewpoint. And I've also read him, he's, he features in another book, doesn't he? Sorry, I, it's not Thinking of Fast and Slow, it's The Undoing Project. Which is... is which is the Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis, yes, because he, is he the professor from Israel? Yes. That's the one. Kahneman and... Uh, Daniel, Daniel Kahneman and Eve Ostversky. Yeah, they, they do they do write Thinking Slow and Fast. Yeah, yeah. That so is their Ka- book, but Kahn- it features in the... It's Kahneman's book. Yes. Yes, not Amos's book. Uh, but yes, it's the the principle of from both is, or one of the many principles is the availability I actually heuristic. Pre- I actually preferred the story about his tank battles. <laughs> that was a bit which interested me about Amos. They were pretty cool. Yeah. So, right. I think we've, I think if we talk about Israeli tank battles, I think we're probably done. Um, or do we, are we? Do we want to talk about any of the Premiership stuff? No, I think we should say save it for another time. We need to, we need to come back to this. So we need to come back and maybe do a midweek domestic podcast. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff been going on. There's a lot of stuff, um, not least of which um, the 2021-2022 salary cap report came out last week. Did it? Uh, oh, which not is it, least which... of which, a team's gone under uh, this week. Have they? Worcester women. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But when, quote-unquote, the women's game is thriving, leaving the Premier 15s with only nine teams is... Maybe not the best idea. And I've heard another one is on the brink. So I'm going to be pulling out soon. Sad. Not entirely surprising. Well, uh, well, it's okay. They're going to invest $220 million over 10 years. Why don't they just bring some of that $220 million forward and save... What's that? No? What, what have I missed? <laughs> There's $220 million somewhere. There is. Yeah. It's going to get spent somehow. Yeah, it has to. It's going to get talked about. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, there'll be £220 million worth of PR, probably. Right, that's enough. Um, you can find us on all the major podcast providers because we are the the oldest and best rugby podcast. You can contact us on contactdeadchasers at Gmail. Don't bother with other platforms. They're not worth it. And I think that's it. I think that's it. So we will see you, hopefully, for midweek domestic podcast from Tim, who says goodbye, and me and Phil, who also say goodbye. Goodbye. Let the boys end. <laughs> 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.